Good morning. Today we are in 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, we're taking a look at this uh, sermon series entitled Elisha and Jesus. Talking about what it means to live out a called life. Just like Elisha was called, uh, we are living out a, a called life. 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, we're going to be reading verses 8 through 10. We're reading verses 8 through 10. I think originally I had planned on doing the whole story of the Shunammite woman. It's a complex story that speaks to the power of God. And I think it's a great story, but, but what I really wanted to do here is just kind of zero in on what led up to her story, uh, just something that was very natural, it seems like, to her. And that, that's what I really want to key in on this morning and just kind of, in the best way that we can, get, get inside of her head. So listen, it, it says, verse 8, one day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. And she said to her husband, I know this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make him a small room on the roof, and we'll put in a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. Let's, let's pray over this. God, we, we gather together just in celebration for the things that you have done, continue to do, and will always do. Your faithfulness through all generations. And as we gather around your word... I pray that your spirit will just guide and lead us as we just seek to know your truth, to be led by your Holy Spirit, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. A few weeks ago, uh, we talked in here about one of the reasons that Elisha traveled so much is because Elijah set up prophet schools and at least six different regions. Now, the first five are very close together. They're all south of Samaria, the capital, and some of them extend into the northern boundary area of Judah. But there's Mount Carmel that's just a little bit different. Mount Carmel, if you can picture a map, is north and west of uh, Samaria, the capital. And it's, I mean, it's Mount Carmel, right? So you guys understand that this is not uh, Indiana, right? This is not, we're, we're talking a, a region that is mountainous, right? And so there's not a straight shot from Samaria to Mount Carmel. And it certainly wasn't a very fun trip to make by foot, and so Elisha, it seems, had to stop somewhere. And if you look at a map, 
Shunem is just about halfway between Samaria and Mount Carmel. And so it makes sense that Elisha would regularly stop somewhere halfway to kind of take a break. Now, life was a lot different in Elisha's time. The Greco-Roman world during Jesus' time embraced a, a Greek word that we know as hospitality uh, called xenia, the principle of xenia. Showing hospitality to strangers was an important part of their world, and hospitality to strangers was also a very important part of Elisha's world. Uh, for a more modern-day example, you guys have probably heard of the Trojan War. Well, according to the legend, that all started because of bad hospitality. There's obviously more to the story. But my point is that this region's history, from Elisha's time all the way to Jesus, hospitality was part of their life. And it's part of, really, what kicks off this relationship between Elisha and the Shunammite woman. The Gospels, if you read through them, you'll find they're made after story, after story, after story. They, are, they have stories of, of hospitality. You remember Jesus stayed at Mary, Martha, and uh, Lazarus's house, right? You guys remember that story? Martha scolds Mary because she's sitting at Jesus's feet, not helping her be hospitable, right? You remember Jesus was anointed by a sinful woman at a Pharisee's house. And he says to that Pharisee, hey man, you didn't anoint my head with oil. You didn't wash my feet. In essence, Jesus was saying, dude, you, you weren't even a good host. You weren't hosp hospitable to me and my disciples. Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. And what is the first thing she does? She starts to serve. You just, you just had a fever on your deathbed, and the first thing you want to do, what is part of who you are, is be hospitable to Jesus. Hospitality was kind, it was normal, and we find that it was expected throughout the Bible. There are examples all the way from Abraham in his hospitality to the angels all the way to Paul in prison in Rome. This morning... With all that information that we just gathered, I want to discuss an, extra, an extraordinary, hospitable story of this woman. And let's ask God, as we listen to this story, to change our hearts that we might be hospitable people. I want to first point out that this Shunammite woman created time. She created time. Obviously, she didn't create time, right? She, <laughs> but she did carve out a window of her busy life 
for Jesus. Or for Elisha, sorry. This woman and her husband were wealthy people, we're told. And they did not have to go to Elisha. But notice they didn't say, you know, we've got uh, an extra place if maybe once or twice, or maybe you can find somebody better, right? They didn't, they didn't kind of beat around the bush. They went straight and urged Elisha, stay with us. She urged Elisha, and she created time. The text doesn't indicate, but we need to remember that Israel is not necessarily following after God in any way that we can tell. If you remember, Elijah, his life was on the line. Last week we talked about Obadiah and how he was probably murdered. And yet this Shunammite woman, maybe she put her wealth, maybe she put her position in the city in jeopardy. And she offered hospitality to Elisha. I heard the testimony of a woman by the name of Irma. Irma's probably similar to most of us who've ever had children. She woke up, and the first thing she heard about was Roblox for the first 20 minutes of her day. And I see some of you young people laughing because you know all about Roblox. But some of you older folks, ask Charlie about Roblox sometime. For 20 minutes, went on and on and on. And she responded, no way. Yeah, that's great. A thousand times in that 20 minutes. She says work was filled with endless chatter all day long. Phone calls all day long. And she found genuine relief on her last phone call because she knew that she was heading away for the weekend. She knew she could get to the airport, she could put her earbuds in, and she could drown out all the noise. Unfortunately, her taxi cab driver was chatty. Told all about his son and what he was doing in college and how he was getting straight A's. And she got to the airport to wait for her flight. She was 30 minutes early after going through security and excited to take her book out, to put her headphones in. As she was pulling her book out, out of nowhere, an elderly lady sat down next to her, and she began, I bet it's cold in Chicago. I haven't been to Chicago in three years. She said, my son lives there. And Arma said, that's, that's nice. But the woman continued on. My husband's body's on this plane. We were married for 53 years, and I don't drive, but the funeral director drove me here so I could get on the plane. Irma said her voice kind of droned on. Here was a woman who didn't want money, didn't want advice or counsel. She just wanted someone to listen. 
And in desperation, she had turned to a total stranger with her story. Irma said she was kind of relieved that she didn't sit in her section until she heard that elderly woman say, I bet it's cold in Chicago. Irma didn't have time, did she? She had to create time. And she chose not to. The Shunammite woman, on the other hand, created time. And she blessed Elisha greatly. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4 that above all else, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. He says to offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I love that. I love that, right? Have you been a faithful steward of your grace of time? We need to create the time in our busy schedules to offer hospitality. Write this down. The Shunammite woman created space. She created. She went to her husband and said, hey, you know uh, that guy that keeps coming uh, to have dinner with us, right? His name's Elisha. He's a holy man of God. I think we should renovate our house, right? She renovated her house for a complete stranger and cr literally created space in her life. Have you ever considered remodeling your house for a stranger, maybe for an unexpected pregnancy, maybe for a family member who's in despair, but a stranger who only comes by once in a while? They remodeled their house. What a generous and kind offer to Elisha. And so they found spot right there on the roof. They could put a bed up there a lamp so he could read, he could sleep. I mean, it would be a wonderful place for him as he traveled through to Carmel. When I was in uh, college, I traveled for Johnson uh, Bible College then, and I remember the late Wilbur Reed. He sat all of us down and explained travel etiquette. You see, when we would go out and perform and present at churches. The churches usually put us in the homes of members. And so we would actually stay with complete strangers. So Mr. Reed told us, always make the bed, always say please and thank you, be quiet in their houses, don't make a mess, right? And I did not realize until I became a homeowner, the sacrifice that these folks made for complete strangers, right? And I, I love doing it. We have guests in our home right now, and I'm hoping we're being hospitable since I studied this all week, right? But it's a lot harder if it was for strangers, people who 
I don't know their routine. I don't know what kind of foods they might be allergic to. I don't know, uh, maybe they're snorers. And there's a no snoring policy in our house. No snoring, right, Jessica? None in our house, okay? Paul commanded us in Romans chapter 12 to share with the Lord's people who are in need to practice hospitality. Have you ever considered that your space might be a place that you can offer hospitality? Have you ever considered that God wants you to be a steward of your space? All right, last uh, thought for you this morning. The Shunammite woman was well aware of the need, right? She just saw that there was a need and she met it. She urged to be the person who could provide a solution to a need. In fact, we're told later that Elisha was laying in bed enjoying this fresh and new space that she created for him. And he called his servant over and said, Hey, Gehazi, would you, would you find out, is there anything we can do for this woman? I mean, this is just great. And so he goes down and he asks her, and her response was absolutely beautiful. She said, I have a home among my own people. Verse 13. I've got everything I need. Just enjoy your space. She saw the need. She expected nothing in return from this holy man. He could have spoke to her uh, on her behalf to city leaders. I mean, this is Elisha we're talking about. He could have gone before the king. Now, you know, just enjoy it. I've got everything I need. Heard the story of a woman who was at a bus stop. She had just cashed her tax refund check. So she was a little heavy on the cash, a little nervous. And so she was a little bit more aware of her surroundings. And she saw a kind of poorly dressed, a little bit dirty man standing not too far from her. Uh, somebody walked up, handed him some cash and whispered in that man's ear. She couldn't hear what he said, but it inspired her. She thought, I've got this tax refund, I've got some money. And so she pulled out a $10 bill and walked up to the man, and she handed it to him and said, never despair, never despair. A week later, she was standing at that same bus stop and a man walked up to her and handed her $110. And she thought, what is this? And he said, you won, never despair, won 10 to 1. <laughs> well, she had the right idea, right? Sometimes we do need to just stop and, and look around. You can't meet the need if you don't have your eyes open. You can't meet the need if you don't see the need. In the case of this woman, she saw a need and she met it. 
John chapter 2 tells the story of Jesus and hospitality. It's quite possibly the first story of Jesus and hospitality. He and his mother and his disciples were all invited to a wedding feast, we're told. Weddings were usually held during the harvest time. In the fall, it could last a whole week. And the host was responsible for the space and the food for the wedding guests. Unfortunately, Mary, Jesus' mother, noticed, as well as probably some other guests, that the wine had run out. And that was a social faux pas. And Jesus tells the servants to gather some jars, fill them with water, and then he has them draw water out of that jar and give it to the master of the banquet. The master tasted the water, but it had turned into wine. I love that story. Here is Jesus, who would later tell a disciple who wanted to follow him. The disciple says to Jesus, hey, I want to follow you. And Jesus responds, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus was broke, and he didn't have a place to lay his head. And here he is providing the finest of wine at a wedding feast. You don't have to have money. You don't even have to have a home to practice hospitality. You just need to have time, space, and awareness. And I think each one of us can grow in this area of opening up a little space in our lives, creating the time, and being a little bit more aware of the needs that are around us. Now, if I can, I want to step a little bit deeper into the story of Jesus at this wedding. John's gospel does not have the upper room discourse where he breaks the bread and he passes the cup. But what do we see here at the wedding is Jesus actually becomes wine for this family. And the reality is that's kind of what we need as well, right? We need the blood of Jesus and our own lives. As we gather around the communion table this morning, we are reminded that we need Jesus, the power of his resurrection, the new life that he gives us. We need Jesus. So I'm going to invite you as we sing the next song to go to one of these three communion stations. You'll take the cups, and on the bottom cup is uh, the, the bread, and on the top cup is the juice. Hold that as we sing this next song. Jeff Offshack is going to come up, share with us a few thoughts, and we'll take those emblems together as we are reminded that we need Jesus. Will you pray with me, please? Father God, we uh, just come humbly acknowledging 
our shortcomings when it comes to hospitality and our shortcomings when it comes to sin. And so we ask and invite you in our lives to open our eyes to the needs around us, but also to just renew our hearts through the power of your resurrection. Father, I'm just so thankful that you sent your very own son to get die on the cross. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless this time that we have as a congregation together, the fellowship that we have. Bless this emblem as we take together, we pray in Jesus' name.